Welcome to the Elmo and Doris Different Podcast. You're listening to the Elmo Adore Difference, a podcast that gets people from all walks of life to share powerful ideas and spread good vibes. My name's Elmo Adore Jr. and I'm a young Filipino passionate about the individuality every person can bring to the table. And I'm talking to unique people about how they see the world and how to make a difference. Navid, he is 40 years old. He is originally from Punjab, Pakistan, and he's been living in the U.S., working as a writer, and he's written about 1,700 pages, though a lot of uh, publishers won't publish him because of uh, his topics are philosophy and old English. And they say that it's just a uh, hundred years uh, too late, you know. But uh, he's a really smart guy, and uh, I want to jump into it and say, uh, Navid, Uh, why? What do you think about Hellenistic philosophy uh, in general? Uh, what is your opinion? Well, first of all, I would like to thank you, uh, Mr. Elmo, for having me and giving me the time and the opportunity to talk. Yeah. Uh, now let's jump into it. Yeah. Uh, Hellenistic philosophy, right? Now let's be very specific uh, about how I got into it and uh, how uh, and why I got involved in it. First of all. Uh, It starts with yeah, sure. the, with my uh, a very tough time in my life that I, I spent um, in jail actually, and that's where I discovered mm -hmm. uh, what philosophy is. Now, I had never heard the word philosophy. I never I had never heard any names like Plato or Socrates or, or Epictetus or any of it. But I sat down because, as you know, in prison, there's nothing else to do but ponder and, and, and yeah. you know, just yeah. either do drugs or, or ponder. Those are the two choices you have. So I went with the latter one. Right. Yeah, at least, at least you chose the better one, bro. Right. I would hope so. But actually, drug, with drugs, yeah. you can probably quit them. But with philosophy, she won't let you. Now, let's go, <laughs> let's go with, the, with, with Socrates and them. Now, the first books uh, I picked up, uh, they were um, about what philosophers, who the philosophers are, the great, uh, you know, Plato and, and Socrates and them. And then the first mm -hmm. um, thing that I read was the dissertation that, or, or rather the uh, dialogue that Plato recorded that Socrates had in the courtroom. Uh, mm -hmm as his last, um, you know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, when he was yeah, facing yeah. trial, right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So those were the 26 pages uh, that I read and that kind of changed my existence, I would say, right? Um, yeah. I accepted, I'm a Muslim by, by religion, but trust me, I accepted that person as not merely a... Um, uh, uh, A philosopher, but I, I would say a rather a holy man or even a, a prophet to some sense. Now, mm -hmm. what inspired me or what um, led me to accept them as my mentors, uh, the, you know, the great names of, of Hellenistic philosophy or the great pillars of Hellenistic philosophy is that 
they were not governed by any religion, right? The religions mm-hmm. that we understand now, um, you know, the great trinity, I would say, Judaism, Islam, yeah. and Christianity, they didn't really exist mm-hmm. at that moment. Now, yeah. these guys were beckoned somehow, right? Something tugged on their on their strings inside of them, and they and they listened. They wanted to follow. They wanted to know what that is, and they discovered mm-hmm. things that I think laid the platform or laid the groundwork for what led to these great three religions. Uh, one rule being that there has to be one God. There has to be one entity that governs everything. There cannot be multiple gods. So that mm-hmm. was one thing that um, kind of, you know, hit something in my mind that, okay, these guys are thinkers for one and they're brave men. Um, mm-hmm. it, um, it, it really felt like when I, uh, you know, um, uh, when Socrates takes poison in the end, right? Um, yeah. That was like losing my own father, even though that man had died 2,000 years ago. But mm-hmm. after reading uh, 25 pages of his dialogue back and forth with, in the courtroom with the judge and the, and the prosecution and everything else, mm-hmm. it was just marvelous. It was, um, it was beyond belief that a person at that time had the courage in his age, he was like 80 years old, I think, to stand mm-hmm. up to a culture and a religion and everything else on the basis of what he believed. Mm-hmm. Now, and my own Muslim uh, community would, uh, I think, um, you know, not be very happy with me saying this, but I always, from that point on, I thought of philosophy as something very real and something very alive. I would mm-hmm. uh, not hesitate using the word goddess in a sense because things that mm-hmm. happened to me over time uh, were very uh, dramatic, right, to say the least. I'll give you an example. I, ho- I hope I'm not... Uh, uh, yeah, you keep talking, bro. Mm-hmm. Keep talking. Keep talking, keep smoking cigarettes. That's like... <laughs> now, uh, around 18 years ago, I was sitting mm-hmm. in the window in my prison cell and it was mm-hmm. like twilight hours and I was looking at the sky and something uh, just just told me to say these words. I looked at the mm-hmm. sky and I said, all right, God, I would be nice to have a star of my own. And now the funny part is the minute I said those words, <laughs> a comet, they call them comets, right? Those little tail, yeah. uh, things with tail, yeah. Yeah. A comet fell, I would say, no more than 400 meters away from me, right? Now, we have all seen shooting stars, but mm-hmm. to see something that close, I cannot tell you how brilliant a white light that is, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's startling. Now, mm-hmm. anyhow, that moment passed by, a few days passed by. And then it was uh, my mom's birthday, actually. And I sat down to write a card just to say happy birthday. And I wrote it. Mm -hmm. Now, as I was writing, something told me to keep writing. And I kept writing. I have no idea what I wrote at that moment. I just kept writing. Now, after I sent that uh, uh, letter to my mom, my mom called me, right? And she asked me, how did I write it? I said, well, I just wrote it. 
She said, no, you stole it from somewhere. Uh, you know, you copied it from some, some other author. How did you, where did you copy it from? I said, no, I swear I wrote it. She said, no, it's not possible. <laughs> All right. So anyhow, yeah. that, that day passed by. And then it was my brother's birthday, I think, a few days later. And the same thing happened again. And again, now this time my mom paid attention. She said, okay. How did you mm-hmm. write it? Tell me exactly. I said, I don't know. I just saw the star fall down and then something told me to write and I kept writing. She said, okay, now from now on, I want you to listen to what this voice tells you to write and write when it tells you to write. I said, all right, fine. Within a day or so after that, around three o'clock at night, exactly mm-hmm. three o'clock at night, something would wake me up. Something not physical, not a spirit, not a ghost, but something very uh, deep inside my mind would tell me to wake up. I would wake mm-hmm. up and I would write incessantly. It would have I would have no control <laughs> on my hand. Trust me, that awesome. went on for seven years. I wrote like that for seven years every night. Cool. Now, some other time I'll, I'll share uh, some of those things. And me, I was not a very uh, brilliant kid growing up. I wasn't. I was used to mm-hmm. run away from school when I was in grade six and I would run away mm-hmm. to a, a graveyard near my school, right? And that's where I would spend all my hours looking at the mm-hmm. uh, graves and just enjoying the peace in that place. So <laughs> give me an example. I'm not very educated, right? My uh, mm-hmm. academic background is only, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, high school. That's it. I barely mm-hmm. passed my high school. Now, going back to my philosophy thing. Prison is a very harsh place. Um, you can't fight everyone. You can't complain about everyone. You have to find inner strength or perish. So I'm not the kind mm-hmm. who perishes so easily. I, I have to fight. So these guys gave me the strength to fight. Then moving on mm-hmm. to my next mentor, which is Apectitus. Apectitus, as you know, uh, was a slave. You know, he was he was yeah, sold and yeah. then... Um, he led a very uh, tough life, but he never complained. He mm-hmm. he fought through everything uh, that was thrown to him like a lion, and he never cowered, uh, even though he was a slave. So these guys laid my foundation of what philosophy is. To me, philosophy is the courage to question that's it. Mm-hmm. Philosophy mm-hmm. in its very core, it's it's something that burns. It's it smolders. It's like um, like a nova, right? It has something that has to explode. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not just merely throwing yourself apart. It's more of a thirst. So like a nova, when it explodes, it's not getting, uh, it's not disappearing in space, but Mm-hmm. Maybe the, the droplets or the, or the lava or, or, or different fragments of it are going out and they're searching, they're, they're thirsting for something else. So, mm-hmm. do you know, I can see these things in my mind when I'm saying them. That's the amazing part. I wish I could, I, I could share that with people. Anyhow, yeah. after me seven years of writing, uh, mm-hmm. I started to learn how to control what I'm writing and to put my own words into it somehow. Now, the funniest part about writing was when I was writing, mm-hmm. 
it was given to me in all English. Thou thy shalt. And I had no previous background whatsoever in Shakespeare in English. Right? I didn't know who the hell Shakespeare was. No. But me having a hell of an ego, uh, my mom told me, um, my mom's got a, a, philosophy, a master's in philosophy. So she told me to read Shakespeare and read all these people. But I said, no. You know why? Because if mm -hmm. I read them now, they're monsters, right? They are uh, uh, not monsters in a bad sense, but they are giants. And yeah. I'm just learning. If I read them now, I might be so inspired and so influenced by how they write and how they speak that it might tint my own uh, language. And I said, no, I won't do that. I'll do that when I'm done, when I know who I am. So I kept mm -hmm. writing, I kept writing. Um, about 12 years passed by, and that's when I picked up the first book of Shakespeare. And uh, cool. uh, you know, I kind of got addicted to him and, and Paolo Coelho and all these other guys. But yeah, they're not really philosophers. Again, they have different yeah. philosophies, tiny bits of it. Uh, Mother Nature calls to them. Now, yeah, uh, here, here's, where, here's where we come back. I don't know how you would take this or, or, or your audience, but nature started speaking to me. Mm -hmm. Nature took a physical form. I wish, I wish I had proof to show you. It would change mm -hmm. people, I think. And that's where I'm sure I, it wasn't drugs that you wrote. took, not philosophy. <laughs> right. She took a form, right? Um, she would whisper. Now, mm -hmm. she wouldn't whisper like a human being would or, or, or you know, a, a supermodel whispering in her mind. It wasn't like that. It would be mm -hmm. like the sound of the wind or, or a, a bird uh, chirping or whistling, but not any bird. A certain bird at a certain time or a certain gust of wind would tell me, okay, mm -hmm. listen to me. And that's mm -hmm. where I knew uh, uh, how to meditate and how to just lower my own you know, uh, uh, frequency and just be humble enough to listen and let that voice sink in. The voice without mm -hmm. words. She mm -hmm. doesn't have words, but she knows all. Um, mm -hmm. And I couldn't distinguish to this day whether she's a part of God or is it something completely else? But I think it's something in between those things. Um mm -hmm. I'm going to bleed my uh, philosophy conversation into religion a tad bit because um, to me, I didn't find God growing up going to a mosque or reading Quran or um, listening to uh, Muslim preachers. I found God through philosophy. Mm -hmm. I found my religion through the words and sacrifices of people like Socrates. That's where I found mm -hmm. God. Now, I might call him Allah, you might call him Jesus Christ or, uh, you know, uh, Jehovah or something else. But that's how I find my God. And I, I hesitate calling him Allah all the time or calling him Mother Nature or something else because he's way more than all that. He's way more than uh, mere shackles of words and, and, and titles. Um, let me light up a cigarette. That gets me closer to God every time. 
Yeah, so um, I, I wanna I, I wanna say something. Yeah. Um. So I, I've noticed that you've had uh a lot of epi- epiphanies in your uh, life, and right. it's 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 a it's the it's the way that you uh humble yourself and get lessons, get uh life uh wis- wisdom from different writers different philosophers and you uh sort of in a way look at it in a holistic uh pattern by which i i someone some people uh these days would call like a, a gnostic you know you see truth right. in all religions in all uh sorts of philosophers and all sorts of beliefs and you find truth everywhere Yeah, and but uh, I have a, a a question to ask you is, uh, Socrates was a very logical person, you know. Sure. He followed lo- logic, and so uh, that's why Aristotle had the uh, had a had planned out what logic is like for either or and all of that. And uh, do you ever reduce your beliefs into a rational? belief system where everything makes sense for example if you if you have an idea of what god is does that resonate or does that validate all of your other beliefs for example uh, if you believe in science do you also believe in god if you believe in uh, in the afterlife then do you believe also in a monist uh, or a monist perspective of of humanity's humanity and its biology and all of that do you use logic when determining what your belief system is all right now here's how i would uh, uh, simplify this logic eats away at philosophy the same way acid would a flower right mm-hmm. to understand god or to understand philosophy or to understand um anything worth understanding you have to have the humility of a dog and mm-hmm. you have to understand what love is now a dog loves his master without reason He doesn't uh, rationalize why uh, does he feed me? Does he require anything of me? No, he just loves his master. Simple as that. Now, same way here. I think with philosophy mm-hmm. and with uh, um, with God or with religion, if you, if, this is just for me. I'm not dictating for, for others. Others might have different mm-hmm. channels of understanding the same thing. But for me, reason destroys the passion mm-hmm. that's required to understand um, philosophy and God. You have to go blind. You have to go in with your eyes closed and your hands open and just believe that you will be given something. You won't come back empty-handed. Am I making sense? Yeah, here? but there's a danger there, you know. That's the logic that a lot of cults use. For example, just believe, have faith in And that, for example, if I tell you that, oh, I am the resurrected Jesus Christ, then you have to believe me. You have to have faith. Believe in the nature, and with a, with coupled with drug abuse, 
you would be in a way influenced right. by my words and my charisma and yeah. and hey i'm gonna simplify i'm gonna make that easy for you as well as well the key lies in picking mm-hmm. the right mentor now you must understand that my mentors never dictated to anyone or uh, mm-hmm. never uh, um, created a cult they never uh, called to people to come to them people would just simply come because they had something they could gain from mm-hmm. these poor people one of them spent his life on the street as you would know by mm-hmm. the pectitis right on the other side if we are blinded by the charisma of people like for example hitler or uh, yeah. uh, joseph stalin then that's something that's lacking in us we are not um, you have to retain your pride right if you lose your if you surrender your pride that's when you fall victim and a slave there's a huge difference you you must understand a dog is not a slave to his master he's a friend he's a companion right because he does not reason mm-hmm. he knows that he will be given same thing here if you if you take mm-hmm. the risk of reasoning a dog is given his bone he's given his food he's given everything he requires and he's asked for nothing in return except love right that's all he's required from his master same thing with our god same thing with these mentors that i'm mentioning to you socrates mm-hmm. when he was alive or apectetus when he was alive or plato or, or, or any of them they never asked their uh, their tu- uh, their sorry what do you call them their students to to perform any acts mm-hmm. so i think mm-hmm. not r- r- uh, necessarily rationality but a bit of common sense would take a person a long way in realizing what a mentor and what a corrupt uh, uh, user is i think understanding that difference uh, that's where uh, the key lies yeah but um Uh, it, it's the, uh, it's not that I'm saying that the your your mentors are cult leaders or whatnot, but uh, I I'm saying that the danger is that you view your master as someone who is uh who is knowledgeable, who is wise, but if you have you don't use logic to try to defeat your master in in a rational way, you would have no no tools to. Th- Uh, see through any deception to see through any lies and uh, no, no even if someone is isn't charismatic but if they have points and if they have uh, a wisdom that uh, resonates in your own mind and you you sort of like him for someone because of wise things that they say but the best tool is to be yes you say common sense but also Uh, to be logical, right? Does this guy make sense? Does everything he say, uh, does he contradict himself? Does he have double standards? Because uh, uh, it's it's a it's an important instrument, logic, if you want to be uh, truly a wise person, you know. And being a wise person, yeah, you you have to be a good yeah. judge. Of But it's not just the character, just. Uh, what the, what your mentor believes, for example, uh, yes, uh, Socrates, uh, Epictetus, they're smart guys, but uh, they were limited by the knowledge and the technology of their time, and 
what whatever they they believed in the past, it would not it would be obsolete in our time in the modern times and if and it's also and that speaks a lot even for modern uh philosophers right now and we have to reduce them to a logical uh, perspective because yeah we philosophy is reasoning and socrates uses the Socra- socratic method and the socratic method is basically ask questions you know to ask and ask and ask questions and if you stop asking questions and just uh trust in them you know you just believe and that that's what you're saying you i i am guessing that you have an intuitive or more of a spiritual connection with what they say you know because it in a way that our, us as humans we are a part of our nature is irrational yeah as you say we are dogs that love uh without question without reason and we can, and love right. is is inherently irrational you know you can't logically explain love yeah it has to be but also uh when you when you talk about love you have to itself you have to question love itself you know so in a logical perspective we can reduce love into a, an illusion by which we have attained rationally in an evolutionary uh uh narrative where a, a surviving yeah. uh, tool so, you're saying uh and if you reduce love logically it would be a social construct and it would have no value in a logical perspective you know and so uh for me so i would I- call you not Uh, someone who is a rationalist but someone who is an irrationalist and i ha- i have a lot i have a i have a lot of That's philosophers right. who i admire as irrationalists especially for example uh friedrich nietzsche uh he's one of the uh, uh, famous irrationalists but i guess right even nietzsche says that uh, uh for example in his book thus thus spoke zarathustra he said Don't follow me. Don't mm. follow Zarathustra because you have to evolve. You have to transcend what I teach you in order for us to reach the Ubermens. You know, like to reach uh, some a uh, level by which humanity must evolve. You know, to have the the power over will to power, something like that. And so, you have to question. Even the teachers, even your mentors, in a rational way, and r- reason, logic is the best tool we we have to use. I, I and, think um, I think you're yeah. right, uh, but I would say this: we should question. But mm-hmm. if you are fortunate enough to have the eyes that can see behind walls, see behind hearts, see behind the skull. then you must mm-hmm. learn to only glance at better truths and look away otherwise you won't be able to survive now let me give you a better example of what i'm trying to say we'll go with the example of a mother right the closest relation to us the problem mm-hmm. with that is it's not as um, selfless a relation as you would imagine it there are two kinds of mothers in the world 
one that mm-hmm. uh, like in my culture women get married because their parents arrange the marriage and they get married and the second types are most uh, that you find in the west that you know they they, they choose their own uh, husbands or whatever and then they get married now either way mm-hmm. they didn't have any idea of who the fuck i am oh sorry i said the wrong word oh, right right yeah no problem I, no problem i'm a no philosopher problem. you must Talk, pardon my language what you want no. bro, bro. <laughs> um yeah so, no problem either way she didn't know who you are she was simply and absolutely following a biological need and nothing more now knowing this truth mm-hmm. if you always look at your mother from that spectrum it would become almost impossible to even call her a mother right you would just look at her as a person who was fulfilling a biological need and mm-hmm. thus you came into fucking existence so we all ignore this we all ignore this yeah. fact that that lady was um nothing more than she was nothing special she was just another woman who just wanted to you know do the deed and 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 give birth to kids that's it so we ignore this fact now me trying to say this mm-hmm. is because mm-hmm. we know that there are certain truths that are perhaps not as sweet as we first see them but we learn to just glance at them and mm-hmm. look away we know that they're there but we learn to look away because if we do not the fabric of society or more importantly the fabric that um keeps us sane would simply shatter it would simply um tear apart now going back to the topic of of how to pick mm-hmm. a mentor or not be persuaded by the wrong person my own philosophy on that is this you me anyone else on earth is given a compass inside of us we all have this compass some realize it some don't realize it but if you sit alone on the grass with your feet bare and your hands and mm-hmm. your mind and you just sit alone for hours for days for weeks for months whatever amount of time it takes till you can hear the heartbeat of the earth you must tear it you must feel it in your body that's a mm-hmm. point where you lose this mm-hmm. desire to belong to a mentor you understand you have to learn that you are an individual who who is simply trying to learn and not become a slave right if you if you don't learn this simple fact that you are an independent soul you are an independent spirit that's when you fall into uh, you fall victim to to entities mm-hmm. uh, you know it might be even frederick you know if you don't if you don't know who you are frederick is a very dangerous philosopher to to read and to study um you might as well read mind come and you know you, that'll be inspiring to some people as well so the point is you must learn who you are on your own terms that's another key man you must know who you are on your terms like me i never picked up 
Shakespeare. I never picked up uh, these other writers because I did not want them to ink my mind. I did not want them to to impress me so much that they would influence how I write. I wanted to know who I was. Um, I hope that answers your question to some point. Yeah, but uh, I have to raise, uh, I think there's a big flaw in what you have just said because, for example, uh, you say that there's a necessity to believe in the irrational love in order to still to stay sane, to hold the fabric of society. But uh, that's just another way of explaining that Uh, that there is uh, a need to hold, to st- to be irrational because it's necessary but just because it's necessary doesn't mean it has to be that's why uh, humans are the uh, most intelligent creatures because we are able to ascend past traditions that's why we learn from our mistakes and one of the biggest mistakes we have is staying irrational and uh as as far as society uh society's history or human civilization has uh, has as we have seen is that we as humans have to keep evolving you know we have to keep changing and so uh a, a trust or our uh a tr- uh what you call um an irrational clinging to past traditions is simply you know retaining who we are back then but now we have technology we have science we have logic we have education and so we we have to stop blinding ourselves stop glance just glancing at the truth and accept it That's why there's a lot of nihilism, a growing nihilism, nihilist perspective in the world because a lot of people are waking up to the meaninglessness of life, to the, irration, to, to the rational perspective by which we are simply accidents. There's no meaning to life and that's the most logical perspective. And, and if, it's, if it's only the necessity to hold society together... Then let's just break society and form into a better individual, better human beings who don't need love. <laughs> We don't need justice. We don't need these made-up terms, made-up words like truth, like goodness. We have to transcend that and become beings who don't need all that stuff and just grow. Wake up to the facts. You know, and yeah, what you're saying is good that we have to uh, be irrational. We have to stay sane. But if we keep doing that, how will we evolve? How will we change into becoming someone who doesn't need to stay sane? Right. All right. Now, you know what a Corvette is, right? Uh, Chevrolet Corvette, a sports car, right? All right. I, I had that right. It was it was my favorite car. I saved every bit to to buy it. But once I bought it, I started. I wasn't happy enough. I wanted more horsepower. I wanted more out of the car. So I started putting money in bigger exhausts, this, that, other, everything else, everything you can imagine. But there came a point. 
there came a point beyond which if I pushed my car, it would simply blow up. It would simply lose everything it had gained, everything it had evolved into from a normal street car to a, a drag racer. I took it to that point, but beyond that, she had no capacity to, to go. That was her peak. That was her uh, uh, maximum, right? Now, using the same example on us, our minds have evolved to a point. Our bodies have perhaps evolved and lost the hair that we needed in the caves, and we don't need them anymore. But we have our limits of how much we can gain, of how much we can answer, of how much we can eat or feed our mind. If we try to break those laws and we, we, we break, uh, try to go beyond those uh, conditions, you must understand that there is And that someone has a balance to keep. We know we are special. Yes, we are humans. We are special, no doubt. But keep in mind, my friend, keep in mind, T-Rex was special too, you know, 4.430 odd some million years ago. He probably thought the same thing that I met. I'm, I'm the chosen one. You know, I get to eat anything I want. Nobody can beat me. I can sleep wherever I want. But ultimately, what happened? He lost. God simply, God, I won't use the word God, right? Because I'm sure you have listeners who are, who are not necessarily, um, you know, Muslims or Christians. So I won't use the word God. I will, I will say uh, an entity, right? An almighty being. Then you move on to, for example, the Ice Age. You had creatures then. You had... Uh, uh, you know, saber tooth and uh, all these other guys, the big uh, elephants with a with a hair. I'm sure if you, uh, you know, uh, had an interview with them, they would tell you, yeah, we're, we're it. We're on top of the food chain and we're the chosen ones. No one is chosen except the one who chooses. You must understand that, what I said. We are chosen for now. But we have our limits. Mm -hmm. The one who chooses mm -hmm. doesn't have limits. Once he gets bored with us, you might want to call it bored. You might want to call it he sends us somewhere else. We are simply eliminated. Now, if you and me had a lifespan of infinite years, of eons and eons and eons, then perhaps we it would be befitting us to have an ego to think that we don't have any rules that con condemn and control both, you know. Um, we must know our limitations. We have reached a point in our evolution, I would say, that we have started to de-evolve uh, de now, right? You look, at, you look at the crimes now, not the crime rate, but the crimes, the, the severity of the crimes. That did not exist even a thousand years ago or even merely two, three hundred years ago. We are de-evolving. We are, and the proof of de-evolution is this. Whenever 
a creature starts to destroy itself. I think that's a point. That's when uh, the uh, he needs to stop and think that there's something wrong with the way we are moving forward. Perhaps this is not evolution at all. Perhaps we have lost track of what evolution was and what it was supposed to be. Evolution, my dear friend, was never a tool given to us. It's an instrument that's held in the hands of someone far beyond our control. If that was not it, we would have the power to bring everything back to life that is gone or give life to something that doesn't exist. We don't have that control. We don't have any control at all, actually. We live in a bubble of illusions. Illusions telling us that we are alive. Illusions telling us that we'll die. Illusions telling us that we are breathing or we're eating or we love. It's all an illusion. You just have the choice at any given time to pick the illusion you want of your choice. But you don't have the choice to make that illusion realistic. Okay. Uh, I, I want to uh, say, say something about the part where you say that we have reached a peak in the evolution and are devolving. Well, there's never really a peak or uh, a peak in any evolution. It's just evolution. We're just naturally selected out of incidents by which we have to be fit in an environment. And we human beings, uh, basically, there is no standard for what is what is evolved as good, good evolved or bad evolved. There's just evolved, and so uh, <clears throat> uh, it means that we are just clay trying to fit into a different, changing, differently, constantly changing whole, and so. Wait, 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 one second, one second. Puppets after all, huh? Yeah, we're just clay constantly trying to fit inside a, a hole by which uh, the environment provides for us. And so he, we human beings, well, I'm not saying that we should evolve, but just we have to, we should wake up because there is no evolu- evolving or there is no evolving. There is just us waking up and popping the bubble of evolution and of illusions and popping it and just there being there being us and we are logical creatures at the most that's why we have technology that's why we have education we have a justice system we have society we use logic to progress us to keep existing and the best way to keep existing is to be smart, you know, and the smartest thing we should do is pop the bubble of illusions, to pop these lies, these deceptions that we have uh, have attained since we since uh, thousands of years in the past and just w- wake up and accept the environment that which we have. Because for example, you say that there might be an entity out there, there might be a God, but that is a presupposition that still needs to be proven. But the the main fact is we are here right now, and we are thinking beings, and our brain, our logical mind, is telling us that these is signs. This is these are facts. 
And we have to act on the facts that we have seen right now. And faith, uh, no, no matter how much we, uh, how, how much the human brain still needs faith, still needs love. Uh, I think that um, there might be a changing crisis or a healing crisis that our society is experiencing. That's why there might be more crime. There might be because we are waking up from the from the social values that we have obtained culturally in the past. And we are seeing that there is no line. There is everything is permissible, but what should I do about it? You know how how will I, how would human society still remain with without any values, without any norms that actually have purpose, that actually have meaning? And that's why there's a rise in existentialism, absurdism, where we wake up and we make our own meanings out of the meaninglessness out of the absurdity you know and the moment we pop the bubbles you know the the lies that's where uh, i guess that we can think clearer you know mm. for example uh religion i'm not uh, i'm i'm actually a religious person you know out of out of uh willingness But um, uh, I I know that a lot of reli- religious people still believe in a, a flat Earth. They still believe in in stupid uh, facts, uh, lies. They still believe in 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 uh, ideas that are obsolete. That people thousands of years ago still believe, but they still believe those. Just because of uh, a literal interpretation of a book, uh, of the mm. Bible, you know, and and that is start preventing us from growing and becoming a society that is smart, you know. Mm. <laughs> and so, sure. uh, that's the approach I'm I'm saying that there is no meaning, but what what. The question is, um, how should we go about as humans who have popped the bubble? You know, how should we continue life? Because, uh, in my perspective, in all in all honesty, uh, this is what I would I would do if I truly believe that life has no meaning. You know what I would do? I would just kill myself right now. You know. Because right, that would that would be the only rational. Uh, yeah, outcome. yeah. Because yeah, wh- why am I still breathing? I could just stop breathing. Right. Why am I there, still breathing? Right. There would be st- nothing, and any any has hedonistic and reward system of of dopamine chemicals in my brain that would make me believe I would be happy would be all meaningless, you know. And why don't I right. just? And if I want to be happy all my life, then why don't I just uh, take drugs all my life? You know, why don't I just uh, be be just constantly induce happy hormones, happy drugs in my brain? Because if hedonism is the only best way to approach life, so the only only nihilistic, uh, the most nihilistic and the most logical way for me to go about life is just just stop it. You know. But that's that's not the most uh, the best solution 
society offers, you know, because uh, governments want you that to would be work. Would yeah, just society society wants you to keep working. It wants to use you to stay motivated to to have uh, goals in your life so that you can remain a cog in the system. So right. it wouldn't be beneficial if everybody just went about killing themselves, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. That wouldn't be evolution at all. That's what I was saying. Evolution, it, society has used the wrong term, I think, or used it as a tool or whatever. I personally believe that life was much easier in some way, at least psychologically, it had less burdens. Uh, 500 or 1,000 years ago. Uh, you had simple needs, you had simple wants. But with the uh, advancements of technology and, and medicine and uh, overabundance of food and uh, medicines, perhaps things or people, or they have out-expanded their own circle. I mean, you look at the amount of hunger that exists in the world now and the amount of greed that exists in the world now. Those two factors did not come into play before the advancements of technology, right? You didn't have that many people who could live because there, weren't, uh, there wasn't that much food to have that many kids and, and uh, uh, keep them and feed them and clothe them all. And then you didn't have this many medications uh, to keep people alive beyond a certain point or cure certain people. So you had a very, I hate to say it, but a very natural sequence of things where people had a certain amount of life. They would spend it, uh, you know, either as farmers or, or, you know, hunters, gatherers, whatever else. I think technology has made our lives uh, hell. I think, uh, personally, I'm telling you this. I'm living in Karachi right now, the biggest city uh, in Pakistan, and I believe that this is uh, God's punishment to humanity to live in any city. Um, uh, this is just my opinion from a person who's been to you know multiple countries and spent 18 years in U.S. So trust me, I've I've been around and I know. So I want to go back to farmland in Punjab and and have two dogs and a, uh, you know and an air gun. And just hunt and grow a little bit of rice and wheat and, and be done with the damn thing. So, because I think, the, what's the ultimate goal, my friend? The ultimate goal of, of, of evolution or, or growing forth is what? Peace. It should be peace. I think it shouldn't be left open. For example, I don't, I don't recall exactly. Uh, I think it was said in Republic or which one. But uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the example. I think Plato said it. If you have tooth toothache, for example, you wouldn't go to a barber or, or necessarily to a cobbler and tell them to fix your toothache, right? You would find a doctor and you would go there to fix your problem. So we have created issues which we need cobblers and doctors and all these assholes for. I think... Nature had provided you a very simple way of live. She even gave you a damn home. She gave you a fucking cave to live in. You didn't have to do anything. You lived in a damn cave. You picked some fucking berries. You killed some damn deer and you went about your fucking business. But we had to keep breeding and we had to keep evolving and killing everything else. 
is it really evolution when everything around you is dying when you're simply destroying everything around you from plants to animals to to even bacteria we are destroyers of this planet we're not evolving we're not um, uh, i wouldn't consider this evolution i would say that this is simply exterminating everything around you this is not evolution evolution should be i think where you fit in the ecosystem you're part of the ecosystem you you don't um, destroy it you look at the lion or you look at the wolves or you look at any uh, predatory animal and you look at it how it smoothly and perfectly like a piece of a puzzle fits in its ecosystem and it, it has done so for millions of years right our own science tells us this but look at us what are we man are we even do we even deserve to exist on this planet never mind evolution or de-evolution look at it do we even deserve to exist we are not friends to anything we're not even friends to our own uh, species for god's sakes we are a curse in some way i'm going to give you an example that just happened today i hope uh, your 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 audience would like this i have a german shepherd at the moment he get you know as you know with german shepherds they have delicate stomachs and you know they get sick easily so i had decided this morning that i was going to sell him and i finally found a buyer who's going to come in tomorrow morning and he was going to buy it so i took him for a last walk and i realized what am i doing what am i i consider myself a student of philosophy i consider myself as a uh, as a partially decent person not completely but partially so what am i doing i'm selling uh my best friend who would give his life in a heartbeat for me without asking why he would simply give his life for me if danger came or some other problem came and i'm going to sell him because he had he's a picky eater or he gets sick or he feels the heat of this damn city or whatever else here's another friend say hello to him everybody hey, <laughs> that's why as a little kitten acha so i had to come to this conclusion that i myself before anyone else on the planet i am not a good creation i'm not a good person as much as i would like to lie to myself i'm not a good person no matter how much of a problem i would have been in my dog would have never considered selling me or turning me in for another owner right so before going forward and looking at our technology and our evolution as a plus we must realize that we are cursed some part of our inside is broken we are heartless and we are becoming more and more and more heartless as the years and our technology and our advancements go by the world is filled with knowledge but not wisdom anybody can pick up a book and he can tell you how fucking far the sun is from from earth and how many fucking minutes it takes the light to get to our fucking asses we don't need that bullshit what the fuck is that knowledge for when it's not helping you it's not evolution should be peace 
-hmm. Do we have peace? We don't have peace. If you're questioning something to a point that can, that it can push you to a point of self-destruction and suicide or genocide for a person like me, I'm not suicidal. I'm more homicidal. So for me, it would be the path that, uh, you know, perhaps Hitler was taking or, or Genghis Khan was taking just, just a path of absolute destruction. But is that really it? Is that a sense? Is there a sense of peace in it? There isn't. Should peace be our goal or should evolution and technology? I think that's where I'm going to sum up uh, my rant. Yeah. So uh, you said it, bro. So um, that was we're and that's like an hour now of talking and uh, thank you so much for being a guest here and uh, giving us your uh, you. perspective of the world. Okay, man. So uh, thank you. Yeah, I hope you uh, guest you. next time. Inshallah, inshallah. Thank you, and I would like to thank your audience who took the time to listen to to this old fool, and thank you so much for giving me the opportunity. And God bless you, and may God open your hearts and minds and, and, and bring you peace rather than evolution and technology. Thank you. So that's the end of it. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is your host, Elmo Ador Jr. And thank you for listening in. And please subscribe. Please follow us on Facebook. Please, please follow this. Please. Thanks. Thank you.